God's good to us, so I'll tell you what, he sure is. And he's merciful and he's gracious tonight. I'm very, very thankful uh, to him for his patience and his love. Yeah. Let's just have one word of prayer before we live. Dear Father, we are so grateful to you for your mercy and grace. If, if you were not a forgiving God, if you were not one that extended mercy to us, which we do not deserve, that's why it's called mercy, we'd be lost. We have, we have no ability in ourselves, no, really not even any desire in ourselves to really surrender to you and to follow you. We, we want heaven because we don't like that in hell, but we want it on our terms. And so I, I pray this morning, we're looking at the back in Colossians chapter 3, uh, and I pray as we're looking at these few verses that deal with reckoning or uh, putting off the old sinful habits and sinful lifestyles and putting on the, the newness of living for Jesus. These things can be done in the flesh, they can become legalistic and that does not honor you. Um, it becomes a burden, but at the same time, you do tell us to crucify ourselves or to put ourselves, make ourselves available to you for you to kill the, the sinful tendencies in our lives. I have them in mind, and I'm, I know we all have them. Uh, we talk about deliverance from addictions and recovery from sinful habits and stuff. The Bible makes it clear that we come into the world as slaves, but instead of being slaves to sin, we want to be slaves of you. And the Bible tells us that the, the gospel is the power of God unto deliverance. And so we know that um, the, in a very real sense, the church is a not so much a sanctuary for saints as a hospital for sinners for people that are addicted to living for themselves. I pray that you would help us to see beyond that, see our Savior who, who gave up everything and came down to this planet to suffer, to bleed, and to die in our place in our behalf for us. And so I pray that uh, we will you will speak to our heart, speak to my heart. I need it. I need to take seriously these things, which is so easy for me to turn away and to do my own thing. And I pray that you'll help us all to hear from you and that your word would be released in our hearts and lives. That living water that my son talked about this morning, which I thought was very good. That living water that can cleanse us and cleanse our conscience from dead works. So that we can serve the living God. So we just uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Ask your blessing upon these few moments. We pray in Jesus' name of thanksgiving. Amen. Paul writes, uh, verse 5 of chapter 3 of Colossians. He says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. And on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming down 
or coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also lay aside them all, or lay them all aside, wrath, anger, malice, slander, and abusive speech with your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with its evil practices. The putting on will follow in the verses to follow this, but we want to look at that. We just know we're looking at this process. And this is the second Sunday that we've been in this text that talks about putting off. When we were in chapter verses one through four, um, we would had our attention, our attention was focusing on our advocate who is in heaven, who is Jesus, and we were seen as being raised, risen with Christ in heaven. And we are associated with him in that. And that we are told because our focus is in heaven, we are to keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated and to be setting our mind on things above. So that the Christian life is a an exercise in spiritual and mental pursuit as we want to spend time and invest time in, in looking at. And how many of you would say... Um, worshiping him in our hearts and the minds even when we're driving along the road or doing other things so let let the lord be the lord of our faults and our lives and i will say this that it's a lot easier to have your day begin focusing on the lord if you begin it intentionally with the lord spending some time investing some time in the word and uh, making that commitment it does it does help set your feet in the right direction and it does help your heart. There's sometimes you can't, there's sometimes I can't. Sometimes I, my work schedule, I have to be at work at six in the morning. And so I don't have a lot of, unless I get up real early and it's hard for me to get up. I usually wake up around five or so, but I don't like to get up at five. I like to go and lay back down. But if I got to go to work at six, I have to be up at five so I can get up and shower and, and get to work. And uh, so I don't generally, when I do that, have time for the, to do a lot of Bible reading. But the Lord knows that. And we, and I try to, and you should too, try to spend time in looking at the Word and in, and letting God's Word work in your heart. And we, we talk about that a lot. But the reason we talk about it is because it's really important. It's really important not to go through the, simply the exercise of reading some verses. Yeah, the verses are, are good and they should. Uh, we should read them, but let them speak to you. Let them direct your heart and your mind um, to the Lord and to submissive submission to him. You see what I'm saying? It should bear fruit. So we're looking at this passage here, and Paul uh, begins to write to the church of Colossians back in verse 5. He said, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. We've already talked about that. It means to regard the members of your earthly body. Thank you, David. And uh, when he talks about earthly body, he's talking about, you know, parts of your body. Well, uh, the Bible talks a lot about the body, the physical aspect of us. And uh, Paul even talked about being his own body, bringing it in subjection. And this, this the flesh that we carry around um, likes to be satisfied and likes to indulge itself. And it, it, it uh, can lead us quickly in the wrong direction. And, you know, you can tell by looking at me that I don't have any problem eating. <laughs> Probably you don't either. We all can do that pretty regularly and 
I would dare say that I know I do. I eat more than I really need. And uh, the appetites can take over, but there are other areas too in our mind and our emotions, our hearts, and our relationships where we can kind of get go astray. So the Bible is telling us here that the members of our earthly body, we need to make an effort to starve or kill them. The gospel says that if anyone wants to come after Jesus is to deny himself. And that's what he's talking about there to, to simply realize that it's really important. Um, Paul says in, in Romans 8 like this, he says, uh, Paul writes and says, so then brothers, you are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you are living according to the flesh you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death the practices of the body, you will live. And so here is this admonition from Paul that we can put to death or starve or refuse to give in to the passions of the flesh and ask the Lord by his spirit to put those things to death and help us to live for him, help us to put him first, help us to follow him. Um, in chapter 6, Paul writes, it says, do not let sin, uh, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Uh, that's an interesting term because sin wants to be the boss. It, it, it wants to control us. It wants to sit on the, the, at the control panel of our lives and kind of direct us. And Paul says, don't let it do that. Don't let sin do that. And you know, and I know that much of our sinful practices begin in our minds, things that we are thinking about, things that we want, and things that, that appeal to our lusts. And says, so don't, don't let that happen. Don't let sin, decision of your will, control your mortal and your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting. Um, and that idea of presenting is not a religious term, but I think of it almost as a religious term of offering something as a sacrifice. And he says, do not go on presenting as a decision, if you will, if you will, uh, your members, the parts of your body, don't go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as tools or instruments of unrighteousness. Notice that the way he words it there, it implies that we are doing it. That it's not that this is something we've never done, but we do it. And he says, do not go on presenting the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather present yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead. That is, that God has given us life in the midst of our self-centered, sinful, self-indulgent heart. Present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments, not of sin, or self-indulgence, but of righteousness. For sin, and, and uh, sin wants to enslave us, but we don't want to let it enslave us any longer. Sin shall not be master over you. Sin does not have to reign 
Sin does not, don't let sin be a master over you, for you are not under law as a condition of acceptance with God, but you're under grace. You're under his mercy, his grace. I think uh, that we will be spending one of the things we've talked about that, that uh, we will have eternity to be thinking about and praising God for his mercy and his grace and the good things that he's done to us. And I think one of the things that we'll be doing is not just uh, learning about God's grace, but giving a testimony out of our own lives of how his grace has been working in us and and uh, demonstrating his patience and his mercy to us. So having said all of that, we're looking at this verse and the verse tells us that we are to put to death the sins of our passion. And that was the first thing. The two groups of sins here, and we looked at the, the first group last week. Uh, he says in verse five, uh, death to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. And what he's saying is just put those things to death, that is, to put them, if you will, on the altar. We have those passions. We have those struggles. We have those difficulties in our lives. James, one of my, one of the books in the New Testament, if you read the book of James, as you read it, you'll be thinking that probably James has been reading your mail. Because he gets very personal in that letter about things that, that fall home to, to me and I'm sure to you. James says this in chapter 4. It says, uh, to those who are quarreling and fighting, he says, what's the source of your quarrels and the source of your conflicts? Where do they come from? Uh, is it not the source of your pleasures? Listen to how he says this. Pleasures that wage war in your body, in the members of your body. There's that warfare going on and you want some things and you even sometimes willing to fight for them. The, the text in James is kind of strong. He says, you wage war on your members, you lust, and you do not have, so you murder. And we would say, no, we, we don't murder. Yeah, they're, they're, history does bear witness that people have killed other people like that. And today, if you watch the news, you may not watch it. If you, if you just watch the regular media, but if you watch Fox News, I know they have it's a lot of violence and going on in our cities, a lot of killings going on in our cities, and these kind of things that are happening. And it's really kind of scary. There is this warfare going on inside. Uh, there is this anxiety that takes place among people. And um, he said that you're envious and you cannot obtain. And so you fight and quarrel and you do not have because you do not ask. Uh, there's that. The point is that there's a war going on inside of you, inside of me. And uh, that war really is a, is, a, is a place of internal struggle. And so this is that struggle that's taking place, and we are told to put to death these sins of the passions that occur in our lives. And we've gone over that, so I'm not going to belabor that. Um, but the second, the second thing we are told <clears throat> is that God is, and, and it, it does it interestingly, in the, in the text here, um, Paul not only talks about the sin, but then he talks about God's wrath that is demonstrated against sin, so that we know that he is angry about this, he's upset about this. Let me read that to you. He talks about sexual immorality, passion, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Look at verse 6. It says, on account of these things, or because 
these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. The, the phrase there, um, God's judgment uh, falling upon the sons of disobedience, uh, sons of, that actually, not all of the, the best, they say, they say that text is not in the best manuscripts. What it has to do with and what it means when you read about sons, sons, the, the phrase talking about someone being a son of is a way of saying he's like his father, carries the passions of his father or the, the strengths of his father or the weaknesses of his father or whatever. Sons of disobedience, here are children, if you will, that living in disobedience, they're called children of disobedience or sons of disobedience. And so it's just a way of, of saying that on account of these things, God's wrath is coming upon unbelievers who are living in this kind of life. And uh, what does Romans say that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men? And that's in the first uh, chapter of the book of Romans. So the God takes sin a lot more seriously than I take it and you take it. And uh, we we want to really take it seriously. We want to deal with it because it does kill us. It, it destroys our relationship with God the Father. Uh, one of my favorite verses that I, you probably get tired of hearing me say it, but I quote it a lot because it means a lot to me. Paul says in Galatians that uh, we sow to the spirit, we can reap life. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap death. And uh, I, I don't want to sow to the flesh. I want to reap life in my relationship with the Lord. I want him to be honored in my relationship with him. And so I don't want to sow to the flesh. And so this is a this is a good reminder that God's judgment um, God it wants us to kill the immoral behavior and God's judgment um, brings his his uh, warns us to leave sin alone and to turn away from it the wrath of God otherwise is coming upon we're reminded that God's wrath comes upon the sons of disobedience and I, I've thought about that just think about it for a moment that the scripture gives us a, a number of examples of where God's judgment has fallen. And one of the ones that you think about right away is the example of the flood, where there was a where Noah's flood came upon a sinful and rebellious humanity, and God destroyed, with the exception of Noah and his family, God destroyed every living thing on the planet uh, by the flood. And only the and then uh, and only what was in the ark was preserved. That really took place, even though we try to deny it at times. There's a lot of, if you watch some of the programs on TV, they, they don't talk about that. But that is that is a, a reality that took place. It actually took place on this planet. And it is a sign of God's judgment and his displeasure and his dealing with sin. He takes it a lot more seriously than we do. And we need to, we need to recognize that. And so in this passage here, uh, God's judgment comes uh, up upon the, the sexual immoral, which includes any kind of an illicit sex, comes upon those that are impure, which has to do with deeds of the flesh. Technically, it relates to uncleanness or filthiness or lewdness. His judgment comes upon passions, that refers to sexual passions uh, that are controlling the body. It, uh, also, his judgment comes upon those who have these evil desires, mental thoughts and desires that are in rebellion against the good things of God, and then also agree, which is another way of saying 
those who have come at this that they want to covet what belongs to somebody else, which he, by the way, interprets to be idolatry. Greed being idolatry. And so these are, this is God's sin that comes upon the, the sons of disobedience, if you will, God's judgment that comes upon the sin of those. And then finally, the last section in verses 8 through 9, uh, he goes back to list some more sins. By the way, you ever get the feeling that um, when you read your Bible, that God is always criticizing and condemning and, and bringing, uh, rather than giving you nice sounding flowering verses that make you feel good, there's a lot in there that's bringing criticism and judgment or whatever. It's because we are guilty. That's why we're in rebellion against God. And everything that is true about us is, is begins in that point that uh, we are in rebellion against the Lord. We are spiritually dead. Uh, if you read the first few verses of Romans, it talks about the non-righteous, the none that understand, the none that seek God, all are turned aside together become useless. And he goes on describing the true condition of every single descendant of the human race is that we are in rebellion against God. And the Lord has to bring us to the point of surrender, which he will do. Um, if, if your heart is sensitive, then listen to him and seek him. That's why I ask you to consider reading the word, because God, the spirit of God can take the word. We're talking about the, the, the living word and uh, use it in your heart and your life to open your heart, to give you life and help you understand your need. You see what I'm saying? The word is powerful. It really is. I encourage people to do that. And so here, here's what he said. Verse 8. But now you also lay them all aside. And then he lists wrath, anger, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his evil practices. Notice there uh, this phrase lay them all aside this is that reminder of putting on and putting off bible use paul uses that sometimes when he talks about putting off the old self-indulgent sinful habits and practices and putting on the christ lifestyle that's not to be interpreted as a a legalistic standard it's just simply saying be like the lord um follow the Savior. Um, he is the often the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that went before and set the example for us to follow. And so we want to take him seriously. We want to live for him and to honor him. I do. And I know you do too. And he gives us that desire and he gives us his, that ability as we read the word and the spirit takes us. Let's look at that list real quickly. Um, we have a couple of minutes. He talks about these sins of First were the former sins of passion, and now here's a list of sins, kind of like our personal sins, being social related issues. These are talks about religion or angry behavior, things of this nature. First is wrath, orge, uh, which is has to do uh, with an abiding and a settled, almost uh, habitual anger. And it can even include a purpose of revenge. Um, I have a temper, and you probably do too. I, I don't. I don't usually get uh, really angry to do a lot of damage. I don't throw things across the room. I've seen it done before, 
And uh, I had, uh, when I was in the Air Force, I remember one time there was one of the sergeants that was working on something, and he, I don't know what he, what he was, I just heard this funny noise, and a wrench came flying across the floor, <laughs> went by my head, went over there and hit the wall over there. He got mad at the wrench and thrown as hard as he can. And I felt like doing that, <laughs> but uh, but you know this this is, we can get angry at something we can be angry at people and it says in the definition that I read from Weiss that, that you even include the the intention of getting revenge, which means that you can be angry at somebody over a long a rather long period of time uh, and want to to exercise revenge. I think we were talking about something like that when we were talking about John the Baptist and how that uh, Herod, John the Baptist had confronted Herod and uh, Herod's wife was really continuously angry at John the Baptist and she that anger seethed in her heart because she finally had an opportunity to extract her revenge against him and she had him uh, beheaded. And uh, revenge is just a terrible thing. It really is. And uh, sometimes um, we we just can't seem to be happy until we can get even and do some damage or whatever. That's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. And he says it's, these things are things that we need to put off. Another one is is um, anger, which is just a boiling agitation of feelings, a sudden violent anger. I've, I've seen that as well. People that are just all of a sudden they become and then explode in a violent temper. Not a whole lot. People kind of embarrassed, I guess, control it. But I've seen that, and and I've had um, I've had associates, friends, maybe that have gotten violent at home with with uh, and done things that they shouldn't have done. And uh, that's that's a another story but this is anger is something that needs to be controlled and uh, the more you give into it the harder it is to control it you need to really this is part of dying to self part of of uh, asking the spirit of god to deal with that that um sinful self-centered nature malice is another one uh we translate or we uses the word malignity uh, it has to do with ill will, a desire to injure, um, wickedness, even depravity. Uh, this almost sounds when it talks about a desire uh, to do to do um, to injure, almost sounds like revenge, but it may not be. It may just be somebody just not liking somebody else and just wanting to to hurt them. But these are all relational issues, aren't they? They're relational issues with each other and with things like that. And um, you got to remember that that uh, we are dealing with people, and people are important. Christ died to reach people. You're not going to reach people if you're out trying to harm them or hurt them or getting even with them or whatever. Better to pray for them. If there's somebody that you have a hard time with, pray for them. Really, really pray for them. They're, they're politicians that we might have a hard time with it. We just really want to pray for them and pray that God would have mercy in their hearts. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just really important. Uh, abusive speech is another one. Foul speaking, uh, obscene speech. Uh, the problem with speech is it's a revelation of what's in our heart. Jesus said that out of the heart, 
the mouth speaks, in other words, whatever ever is inside comes out in our speech. And sometimes it's not a very nice picture. Um, but that's why I think it's nice to be smiling. I appreciate Larry Devin seeing this morning the smile. Um, it just it, it's a good testimony, I think. Not a false smile, but a real smile. And uh, Larry's smile is real, I know. And so is Debbie. <laughs> and then uh, one more thing is do not lie. Um, and there's a there's a sin that I think is is overlooked and it's really serious. Back to the worst punishment that I ever gave to my son was for lying. I don't know if he remembers it, but I definitely remember. And uh, but and the reason being is because he's following after his father the devil. That's what he's doing. He's, he's, the, the devil's a liar, and that's what he told the Jews that you're you're lying. You're picking up your father the devil. And so it's a very very serious serious sin, and it needs to be dealt with, and it needs to be dealt with in your own life. And uh, I. I, I don't like to use myself as an illustration of these, but I just don't know how to do that other than just say that I really try not to lie. And there are many times. I remember <laughs> Spurgeon was talking about that. I didn't see him, but I remember him. <laughs> and uh, he was saying that he, he has this problem, and uh, there was a couple that was visiting the church, and they came out with their new baby, and that baby was... He said, if it's possible to be ugly, that baby was ugly. <laughs> and they were standing there, and he knew they were going to kill the baby to him. And he was trying to figure out what he was going to say. And finally, when they were, they had the baby in front of him and everything, he looked at it, he said, well, that is really a baby. <laughs> but sometimes it's hard not to be stretched the tooth a little bit. But these are all things we want to lay aside. These are things we want to deal with. In our in our life, and uh, we including lying, we don't want to to uh, lie. So this is all part of it. The putting off the old man, and and uh, taking off the old man, putting on the new man, the Christ. We'll be looking at the Christ life, which is a little bit more pleasant than dealing with the sin. We we are called to put the put to death. And here's the, I guess maybe this is what I want to say about that. The church is the place that can do that. The church is the place that helps us deal with. The enslavement of sins reminds us of that, preaches about it, makes us aware of it, because we are every one of us in this room are are um, addicted. Uh, every one of us struggle with sin and with lust and with things like that, and uh, we we paint ourselves up. We look good on Sunday morning, but we know our thoughts. And I've had people, Rick, the one comes to mind, saying, "If you knew what's in my heart, you wouldn't want to talk to me," because. Uh, we have corrupt hearts that, that have come out of sin and stuff, and, and we so easily are entangled with these things. And so we want to deal with it. We want to deal with it on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and ask the Lord in his infinite mercy to bless our hearts and our lives. Help us to love the Savior. Really love. That's my prayer. I really love. I, I don't love the Savior. Not like I, I, I should. Not even close. And I really want to. I really want to. I really want him to be first. I really want him to to dominate uh, and have his will. And yet, I keep coming back and and pursuing my own thing. You understand? Know I maybe don't understand that, but I do. It, it's really and it bothers me. And I just really want my heart. I want my life to honor and to glorify 
and exalt the Lord Jesus. So that one day when I stand before him, I'll hear words, well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to hear the words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said to those, depart from me, for I never knew you. You workers of iniquity, you workers, lawless ones is what they mean. You have a law, you're a law for your own self. You want to do what you want to do. You don't, you don't listen to me. And uh, I don't want to be there. I don't want that. And so we pray for each other. Because this is the family. And we need to support each other. We need to hold each other up in prayer. And and uh, to encourage each other in the things of Christ. Because that's really, that's where we are. We are, we are on that journey. And that really matters. But let me, let me just close this in prayer. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for this reminder. And I pray that you'll help the things that I have said, Lord Jesus, help me to practice those things. Help them to be real in my life. And then help us to practice those things with each other and help us to really, help us to be serious about the sin in our lives. Really and truly. And help us to deal with that. Help us to be careful what we put in our hearts and minds, the things that focus our attention, the things that come out of our, our mouths, uh, what we desire, where we're going, the purposes, these things that we've just kind of skimmed through real quick, uh, help us to put those things off in our lives and, and remind us when we need to deal with them, I pray. And uh, thank you so much for the Savior and for his love for me. I don't know what it's going to be like. We were singing songs with Penny Falls, but she sang and talked about seeing the Lord that she's not seen That'll be something else. The first one, first one she sees with her eyes uh, will be the Savior. We'll get to see him one day. And I pray you'll help us to be ready for that time. We pray in Jesus' name.